How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops. Getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Game on the line. Three balls, two strikes, two out, three on, six, six in the ninth. And he, did he go to his mouth or he took to, oh, he didn't get out, he got out of the box and the game is over. Oh my goodness. He wasn't ready to hit by the pitch clock and he's called out. Oh my. And we think the game is over. The ninth inning's over anyway and it's tied at six. Wow. Wow. I think the batter thought that the pitcher took too long and they were calling ball four, but it was the batter who stepped out and now uh, Snitker, the manager's out to get an explanation. Wow. Wait a minute to see if we go extra innings here. Umpires are coming in. I don't think we will. No, that's going to be that. What a way to end it. Wow. So I guess it goes into the books as a strikeout. It does. That's going to be the number one story on every sports show. It is. A a Major League Baseball game just ended on a violation. Well, damn it if Will Fleming isn't right. (laughs) That was over the weekend here on WEEI. Will Fleming, Joe Castig, with the call of the Red Sox and Braves 6-6 tie which ended on a pitch clock violation. Good news for the Red Sox and an interesting story for Major League Baseball. It's Adam Jones, Megan Annalini. I know. We got one. We finally have something interesting. Really? Uh, Adam Jones, Megan Annalini, Christian Arkin here with you on WEEI. We're taking your phone call, 617-779-7937. What do we make of this? What do we make of it for Major League Baseball? Uh, I wonder if there was gamesmanship involved on the Red Sox side, uh, some strategy that we can get into. It's another interesting component that I didn't foresee with the pitch clock. And uh, we'll get Alex Cora's thoughts on it as well coming up in just a little bit. But game ends in a tie. It was a very, very strict interpretation of a very, very clear rule, although no one seemed to know what was going on. Like, I cut Castiglione and everybody else some slack. Cal Conley, the hitter for the Braves, didn't know what was going on. I don't know if Robert Kwiatkowski... The pitcher for the Red Sox, who I don't need to know his name because he's probably not going to make the team. I don't know if he had it. It seemed like nobody knew what was going on. It's a clear-cut rule. It's been talked about for years, forecast for years in baseball, and it seemed like none of the players knew what was going on, how we feel about it. I thought it was great. I mean, from a fan perspective, from a media member's perspective, win-win across the board. Was a little surprised at how surprised the the players seemed. Because this was something that was implemented into AAA last year. Mm-hmm. So, and I understand most of these guys weren't playing AAA last year. Some of them were, but they were aware that this was coming. So you'd think that they would look over it. It's just the difference for a lot of people between, okay, reading the rules, being in meetings where you probably hear about the rules, and then actually implementing the rules in real time. And we heard other guys say, you know, the pace of the game actually felt pretty fast with the pitch clock. I think the pitch clock is excellent that this happened hey, it's the beginning of spring training. So if it's going to happen and it's in a meaningless game like this that gets us talking about 
How are they going to adjust to this in the future? I think it's good for baseball, and I think the pitch clock is going to be a great change for the game. I think what you saw yesterday was really, really dangerous for baseball. I don't know that it was good for baseball. And the reason why I say that is because I thought it was really funny. Like, I was laughing. It reminded me of uh, in the NFL when they had the replacement refs and they had the one guy saying incomplete and the other guy signaling touchdown. Like, that's what it looked like. And that's just funny whenever that happens. But why I think this may be bad for baseball is because it wasn't an ending that I think is going to bring in new fans, and I think old fans are going to be really turned off by this. Interesting. And when you start when you start playing that game, you better be really sure that you're going to be att- attracting new fans because if you alienate the old ones, I wonder if you're going to have any left. Well, it's a good point. Like, baseball does not have a lot of fans left. Can you alienate the hardcore fans, and is this going to bring in anybody new? That's worth weighing in on. It's 617-779-7937. Arkan, you said you uh, found it humorous. I think Lou Merloni did Autumn as well 22. on TV. It's the time for Apple. He was on. Uh, he was on Nesson with the call on Saturday. Let's uh, let's hear Lou's reaction. Could have up easily. Uh-oh. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three. Wow! This is mayhem. Oh! Automatic strike three called with the bases loaded in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. This is baseball. In 2023. Oh, the two strike strikeout. That's it. Two outs at the bottom of the ninth. Three two. Bases are juiced. And he wasn't alert in time. And they punch him out. Wow. Okay, so look, I even Mike Monaco, who had the call on Nesson, was like, What are we doing here? What's going on? Like, no one knew what it well, was. Also, because Cal Conley is motioning like he thought that he got it. Because nobody knew. He thought the call went in his favor because he had no- nobody had any idea of what was going on in so real look, time. So, look, I understand what Arkan's saying, and it might be a dangerous game by Major League Baseball, but baseball needs to do it. The sport's dying on its own, so you better do something about it, and baseball's trying to do something about it, and I will applaud them for doing something about it because you know what? I don't need to see the hitter stepping out, itching his ass, while the pitcher waits for him. Then he gets off the mound and takes a lap around the mound and, you know, decides to itch his ass. And now we've wasted a whole bunch of time. Like, I don't need the game to go crisp, 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 sit there and watch it for two and a half hours. I'm not going to sit there and watch it for two and a half hours. That's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. That's not most of society. That's not most sports fans are not going to sit there and watch it for two and a half hours. But when I tune in, I do want it to move. I want it to actually have something happen, which I think is the underrated piece to all of it. Some actual action on the field. And good. You can't get in there by the time you're supposed to. If you're unaware of the rules, pitchers have to throw the pitch within 15 seconds when there's nobody on base, 20 seconds when there is a runner on base, like there was in this situation. It was bases loaded with two outs, full count, in the ninth inning of a tie game. And the hitter has to be in the box after 12 seconds, which means with eight on the pitch clock. Good. Good. Let's make this happen. My only fear with it, Mego, is they're strictly enforcing it. And I know it's a clock, but there is some leeway that you can have as an umpire. And I'm sure these umpires in July or in August or in a playoff game, or refresh my memory, does this apply in the postseason? In a big spot, they're going to enforce it differently. And the, the analogy I would use is the play clock in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's a clock. How many times do you watch a game and it goes double zero and you're like, uh, delay a game. I yelled that at the TV 50 billion times for Mac last year. I'm like, delay a game, delay a game. He didn't get the snap off, delay a game. And umpires can do this too, but whatever. It's a step in the right direction. I'm a fan of it. And beyond us even talking about baseball, we're talking about something that happened. Instead of 
Ah, well, he stepped out of the box and itched his ass and waited 30 extra uh, 30 extra seconds and tacked it onto the game, and then the pitcher stepped out, and now we've tacked on all this extra time. Something happened, and I, it just doesn't happen enough in baseball. That's the thing that Theo Epstein and everybody, I think, has right. There's some action in these games now. Going back to whether this clock is going to keep as we're seeing it right now at the beginning of spring training to where's it going to be in July? Where's it going to be in August? Are they still going to be enforcing it? Maybe they'll get a little loose with it, but even to the point of uh, the delay of game calls and everything in the NFL, it's overall still going to improve the pace of the game so much. Which I think you say, okay, you're never going to sit down, or in most cases during the regular season, you're not going to sit down and watch a two and a half hour game. It's May and it's the Orioles and the Red Sox. Sorry, okay. I'm not watching the. But like thing. nothing else is on, and you sit down. Let's say like you even just for whatever reason you're making a commitment to watch game, a game with friends or something. The way that baseball has has turned itself into this game in the last six or seven years with the analytics and everything is you sit down and you go, I don't know if this inning is going to take 15 minutes or 45 minutes. Right. And I think that in modern society, the way that we take in sports and we plan everything out, that's just not tenable. Like you're even if you're going to get somebody who's going to sit down for like three innings or something, if it's moving, then you keep somebody maybe longer than before where you sit there and you're watching your God. How many it's times? Still the bottom of the fifth? How many times are you looking at your phone going, all right, when does this end? And at least if there's action, it does reel you in. I, you don't even realize I think you're. So even though it might get looser, overall, it's going to improve the game a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I Look, you don't even realize you're watching it and there's action. That is a good thing. Throw strikes. Arcan, Arcan does make an interesting point, though. It's like if you're alienating your base, then who's who's this for? Right. Like, if you're alienating the fan base, and I think it is pretty split, and you guys can let us know if you have a problem with it, 617-779-7937. Not everybody loves it. People people love the game. It's been played for 100-plus years, and people love the tradition of it. If you're alienating your base, who is this for, Arcan? I, I don't think... I don't think a bunch of 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 20-year-olds are going, oh, there's a pitch clock? I better throw on the game. I don't think that's Sick, what's happening. Sick, man. There's a clock now. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I hated baseball. Now it's, now it's I sweet. Love, I love punctuality. Yeah, and also think about people who, like, go to a game and there's this exciting extra in it, you know, if you care about that sort of thing. It's the bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded and everybody goes home because the pitch clock uh, ran out. Like, You know what I mean? Like, that's going to annoy people who are watching it. It's going to annoy people who are at the game. I just feel like, I feel like baseball is in real dangerous territory with this thing. They got to be really careful. I think they were more dangerous before, though. But I wait, think the way that the game has been sliding is extremely I, dangerous. I for the game. happen to agree with that. How, but I don't think this makes it better. How is a viol a game ending on a pitch clock violation any different than like a walk or a hit batter or even a sack fly? Like they're all pretty lame if you're going to sit there for well, three hours. At least they hours. throw the pitch when that Here, happens. You know? Here's I don't think there's that much difference. Here's ultimately my answer. Everybody who likes baseball is going to get with the program and they'll ultimately get on board. And maybe you don't alienate some fans who are hanging on in the meantime, who the games are taking too long for. I, I, I like baseball being proactive. At least they're doing something. For too long, baseball didn't do anything. They never did anything. So at least they're doing something. Is it perfect? Of course it's not perfect. But at least it's something. Well, and here's the other thing. A, to your point, it's a step in, towards progress of getting the game back to a better product. Is this going to bring back the casual sports fan? No. Like somebody who just, you you throw on a game. If it's a, if it's a regular season NFL game, they're going, oh, this is pretty good because I know most of the players on both sides and I know what these teams' records are and I kind of understand what it means for the standings. I don't think that's necessarily going to, baseball is going to go down that track. What they need to do is figure out their marketing. 
Like baseball to me, this is a bit of an aside, but there's so few personalities. There's so few stars left. It's just not as tied into uh, mainstream American life the way that the NFL, the NBA has this more so than people watching their games, but they have a product outside of that. And hockey's always been kind of its own little thing. I mean, some of that might just be you have drier personalities in baseball than you do. I think there are some good personalities in baseball. What what is the platform that they have? Some of it could be marketing as well. Can I hear from Alex Cora? Alex Cora talked about this today. I was looking for his answer all weekend. I don't. It's spring training. Maybe they're not as available as they are in season. Let me hear from Cora on the pitch clock. It's been great. It's been great. I'm. I love it. To be honest with you. Why I say that? Because uh, I want to be home in sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think it's a better product for the fan base, for the fans. Uh, you know, I can tell you from experience right now with my kids. You know, they're playing soccer, they're playing baseball, they're doing gymnastics, and in order is one A, one B, three, and it's baseball, and they love it, they like it, but they take ground balls, and then you go in the back of the line and. It takes forever. You know, I hate to say it because, uh, you know, I, I want them to, to love the game. They love it, whatever, but I would love them to play it. But this is where we at, you know, and there's sports out there that you know, they're, they're more fun because there's not dead time, you know. Uh, when they go to a soccer practice, it's nonstop. When they go to gymnastics, imagine jumping around all, all over the place and doing all that stuff. And then when you go to the baseball practice, it's hitting, it's you know, filled in, but there's a lot of that, that time, and I think that's what we're trying to avoid. Uh, the pace has been amazing. Obviously, there's a few things that we still have to work, and we got 27 more days or whatever it is to, to get to where we want to, but for the game, for, for where we want to go, no doubt about it, this is the right thing. Amen. Like, that to me is the right thing. For the future of the game, you need a game, though, to, to hang around uh, to appeal to the next generation, which is what Cora is talking about. And baseball's got a shelf life right now if they don't make changes. So they're making changes. How do you feel about it? 617-779-7937. I think one of the things that's interesting to it, was there some gamesmanship from the Red Sox? You know, is the catcher trying to throw the hitter off and have them not paying attention to the pitch clock? There's a lot of time to figure this out over the next month. But these are some things that teams can toy around with and attempt to add over the next month, as Cora just said, that can add to it. The strategy. The gamesmanship. We'll talk about all of it at 617-779-7937. It's Jones and Mego with Arkham. We're starting Red Sox. If you want to jump in on the Red Sox, have at it there. We are going to shift gears to the Celtics and the Bruins, though, with all your Red Sox phone calls right after Trending from Christian Arkham. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Inbound to Smart. Bounce pass Tatum. Tatum puts up a three.
had some clutch Jason Tatum over the weekend. I called it. You really did. Weren't I we don't just... want to do a victory lap over here, but I really did call this. Weren't we just discussing it? Like, we, we talked about middle of last week. Is Tatum clutch? And I don't even know how clutch he is, but I took him over Paul Pierce as a clutch player. And Mego made this first point. We were the... talking about 2008 versus 2023. Caller tried to dunk on us. It was like, yep. okay, who are you taking? Paul Pierce or Jason Tatum? Oh, was it Tatum? a caller who brought it up? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh, Jason Tatum. So <laughs> It's pretty easy. And Tatum's hit the winner in two straight games. And then Arkan came out and was like, actually, Paul Pierce, these are his stats, clutch stats. So what do you have to say for yourself today, Arkan? Yeah, Arkan, I, I, yeah, Arkan how, how are you feeling Jason today? Tatum is more clutch than I thought. I did not know those numbers. I hadn't looked them up before we had that conversation. However, mm-hmm. he's not Paul Pierce yet. He's not Paul Pierce Ooh, yet. Oh, I hope one day he could be Paul Pierce. He's been in the league a couple of years, and when Paul Pierce made it to his first finals, he went toe-to-toe with Kobe Bryant, and he was the finals hey, MVP. Six years in, is Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum, is Jason Tatum ever going to be Paul Pierce? In his first NBA finals. Seven, seven, nine, what, did seven, Jason, nine, what did Jason seven. Tatum do in his first NBA finals, oh. Megan, while you're over there laughing? How did he do in his first NBA he cra- finals? He crapped his pants. Pretty bad, right? He yeah. looks this really is the, bad. This is your clutch hero. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I judge clutch a little bit differently, I guess. Okay. Tatum had a horrible finals, but... Uh, Tucker Boynton tweeted out, since the NBA started tracking play-by-play data, these are the numbers Arkham was referencing, in 1996, there are 155 players who have attempted 25-plus field goals to tie or take the lead in the final 24 seconds of the fourth quarter, playoffs included. Tatum is first out of 155 with a 52% field goal percentage. Now, I have questions about Tatum in the clutch. I'm not telling you he's the most clutch player of all time, but Tatum or Pierce, I'm with Mego on this. I'm taking Tatum. And the Celtics win again over the weekend against... Arkan, not to pile on. Your Sixers, who, again, are just, they're dead. Like, we, people make fun of me with the Nets. My Sixers are having a tough uh, month. You yeah. should be, you, people should be dunking on you with the yeah. Sixers as well. Hey, Bob, shut up. Uh, 617-779-7937. I want to get more into the Celtics coming up, and I want to get more into Missoula and how he's doling out crunch time minutes because that was very, very suspect on Saturday night. But let's get to some of these Red Sox phone calls. 617-779-7937. Let's go to Jeff in Salem. What's going on, Jeff? Uh, hi. Um, I just wanted to mention that, you know, I'm a longtime baseball guy. I, I mean, I, I could spend all day watching baseball to quote Ernie Banks. Let's play two. But um, I, I feel like the, you know, the, <laughs> the attention span of our, our, our current fan base <laughs> seems to be dwindling. But uh, one thing I like about the the new ruling on the the time is, you know, in the past, before the ruling, these guys would, you know, Nomar taking, stepping back, fixing his gloves, playing around, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, it's not just, it's not just Nomar, Jeff. It's, it's now an opportunity to get that out of the game. If you want to freshen up your routine and give yourself a routine, get it done in 12 seconds. There's no stepping out, you know, same thing for a pitcher. There's no letting your arm recharge for an extra half a mile per hour of velocity. There's no more of that. And the guys don't get it now. No one knew what the hell was going on in that game, which I think is an underrated piece to it. Announcers, players, probably managers. The umpire was the only one. No one knew what was going on. There's another month of spring training. Like, just like everything else in baseball, it takes forever. Spring training takes forever. So players will ultimately figure this out. And if they don't, and this is what it said on his call screen, players have to figure it out. And if they don't, bye-bye. Let's move on. You can't cry about it anymore. Baseball should have jammed this through years ago. They've forecast it now for a couple of years. Now it's in, and the players still want to bitch about it? Sorry, that's not the way it works. It's been clear. These are the rules. Figure it out, or the sport's going to move on without you. So for the Red Sox specifically, 
do you think that there is any advantage to having three, at least three guys who were playing AAA last spring when it comes to the pace of this? I mean, of understanding the pitch clock better. Maybe one of them being a pitcher. I don't know how that compares to other teams. So I'd say maybe. I, I don't. Is that more or less than other teams? Well, I, I don't I was know the answer. Say to that. You also brought in a couple of older guys, who it feels like. The older, more established in some ways, guys that are going to have a harder time switching up the pace, switching up their habits. When Kenley they get into Jansen it. is among the worst, Absolutely. maybe the worst. But even just getting in the batter's box, because that was the issue yesterday. Was yep. with the was with the batter. So even getting in there, like Justin Turner's another old player they brought in. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. I I just I don't know if the Red Sox are any more prone to it. Here's what I will say: I think they have a manager who's willing to. Uh, Seek an advantage, right? <laughs> they have a manager who's willing to play an angle and seek an advantage. Find, loop- oh, hi, find some loopholes. And I don't rule out that Alex Cora and the Red Sox pitching staff and their catchers were screwing with the Braves yesterday. And I didn't consider this until I was listening to the MLB Network, some of their reaction. And they put some, some tweets on the screen from Braves manager Brian Snicker. And he says, you've got to forget about what the catcher's doing. you got to pay attention to the clock. Don't worry about where the catcher's at and what he's doing. You better be attentive to the pitcher like the rule says. That's distracting. That's something, hey, we might try it. I don't think they were intentionally trying to do it, but it worked. The Red Sox might have been screwing with them. The Red Sox might be trying to find an early angle, and they might be coaching their catchers to stand up, walk around, don't get in your crouch, don't get in your stance, because these hitters don't know what's going on. And I think that's an interesting side piece to all of it. The strategy, the gamesmanship, that's one of these things that the pitch clock allows for that baseball didn't have before. They didn't have it. You just start being a bizarre fidgeter behind the batter. Yes. (laughs) Making noises. Maybe. Scratching the dirt. Well, Vasquez does that all the time when he was still here. You know, he'd slap the left side of the dirt and then slide to the right side just to throw guys off. Look, as long as you're not breaking rules and you're just kind of finding little ways to exploit stuff in the interest of gamesmanship, I I think it adds another great layer to this. I just have a feeling. Love it. I have a feeling Cora's going to be good at it. I have a feeling that Cora is going to be good at working an angle and finding an angle, and whether it's outright breaking the rules or not, I have no idea. But I have a feeling the Red Sox are in good shape with their manager on Maybe that that's one. why they brought him back. You know, they knew there were going to be a bunch of rule changes. They knew that when it comes to exploiting things, that may, he may be the, the man for the job, even though he does have the questionable pass there. It's a, it's a ah, good theory. Maybe it worked in his There's favor. There's nobody like Alex Cora. He really has the Alex Cora effect on this magical Red Sox team. Yes, uh, thank you, A-Rod. Looking forward to uh, speaking with him, uh, we think, weekly, uh, <laughs> leading into Red Sox season here on WEEI. If you miss anything, you can stream it, uh, the show, or on demand anytime. Download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Save WEEI as a favorite and listen wherever you go. Maybe this is something we can ask Alex Cora about in the future. Um, on the Celtics piece to it and Tatum and his clutchness, whatever, that'll play itself out. Like, I, I, it's a fun hypothetical. Who would I rather have taken a shot at the end of the game? I would go Tatum over Pierce. Uh, the numbers back up Tatum, but Arkan has a point. I mean, Tatum just gagged massively in the postseason last year. So I don't think we know yet with Tatum that he's clutch or a guy you can fully trust in that spot. I'd imagine most of those numbers are regular season numbers, which who cares? But if you're giving me the option to choose now, who do I want with a game on the line? I'd take Tatum over Pierce. I would. Um, The whole down the stretch of that game was maddening, right? (sighs) Not just Pierce's uh, or Tatum's rather struggles. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I was thinking of missed shots, so I thought of Paul Pierce. Uh, You were thinking of great closers at the end of the game. So, no, when... Tatum had an off night. That was maddening. It was. But again, on top of that. I would say, again, in my book, 
I know you liked his sneaky hustle the game before, which was a little bit green tumor review. But. I uh, I like the I like that he was not even just hustling, but just battling and showing some heart and some edge. And I want that out of a leader. I think Tatum is like it or not, Tatum's your leader. It's the NBA. Your best player is your leader. That's how the sport works. People like to think it's Marcus Smart. It's not. It's your best player. That's the way it works in the NBA. So similar with the Patriots, if Mac's not a great leader, too bad you're stuck with him. He's your leader. Tatum, if you don't love him as a leader, too bad he's your leader. That's how the NBA works. But the most frustrating part of the game wasn't Tatum's struggles. It was Joe Mazzulla handling the minutes, which was just maddening. I was reading Tim Bontemps over the weekend, and he writes that in Saturday's win over Philadelphia, Joe Mazzulla didn't have a choice about one thing. Derek White has to remain an integral part of what Boston's doing. And if you remember any of the game, or if you missed it, here's what happened. White came into the game to start the fourth quarter. Celtics take off. They go from a deficit to having a big lead. Smart gets reinserted. The game gets away from them. That's what happened. That's just what happened. And yet, over the final few minutes of Thursday's overtime win against Indiana, so he's going back now to late last week, and for all of the final few seconds of Saturday night's win over Philly, White was watching from the bench. And there are hard choices to make across the board. One of the obvious benefits of having a roster like this that Missoula has at his disposal. But the way White has played, he's more than making a case that he should be one of the five guys in the biggest moments down the stretch. No matter what happens with Missoula's rotation, he needs to be a part of it. So that is what Tim Bontemps wrote over the weekend at ESPN. Let's start with this. Does Derek White need to be a part of the closing five? Does he need to be a part of those crunch time minutes? Yes or no, Mego? No. I don't think he needs to be yet. But... I give you so much credit for this, Jones, because you were early on this, talking about Derek White. Now, he had Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Mm -hmm. but the way that Marcus Smart has come out in these last three games since he came off of his injury is pretty bad. And when you compare the two back-to-back, now it's just a three-game sample size, but when you, I should say, side-to-side, when you compare those, I mean, it's no contest. He Marcus Smart has been a negative five on the floor overall. Whereas Derek White is a plus 15, averaging more points, fewer turnovers. Now, you could look at that game and say, okay, well, you can read me all the stats in the world, but look at the end of the game. Marcus Smart makes a great little assist, a great little pass, threading the the needle to Jason Tatum, setting him up for the clutch shot that he eventually made, breaking Arkham's heart. Let's just say that that was a perfect pass. That's what I'm saying. So you can can look at it and say, okay, eyeball. Eyeball test, you know, at the end of the game, Smart shows up, Tatum shows up. Doesn't that show you who you want to put your trust in? And it's kind of what Missoula danced around saying. So I'm not ready based on three games to say Derek White needs to replace Marcus Smart. And I'm not saying you should go small and take out any Rob Williams or Al Horford duo or something like that. It doesn't have to be Smart. It could be Brogdon. But Smart is the obvious one. I mean, that's who I would take out. Yeah. Uh, Arkan, yes or no? Derek White has to be a part of the closing lineup. Um, I have to say yes, I think that he does, and the only reason is because he's playing out of his mind. If if Smart, listen, I think Smart's not been great since he came back from the injury, but I also think, like I just said a second ago, that was a gorgeous pass. That wasn't just a bounce pass. I mean, he was in a dead sprint, Tatum was. was. was There was a a guy on his hip, and he put it right there in the perfect spot where the defender couldn't get it. That was a hard pass. Here's what I'll say. That was a good, that was a great play. Here's the other gamble that you're making, is that, uh, to Arkan's point, like, it was perfectly timed, and Jason Tatum did a really good job creating the separation in the play. And that comes from these guys playing together so many minutes over several seasons. I mean, for Jason Tatum, his entire career playing with Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart having Jason Tatum for the last six seasons, there is a certain chemistry that you build. And I'm not saying they don't have that with Derek White, 
But these guys, there's a certain sense of being able to time that in a split second like that that you're then gambling against when you shake up the lineup. So my my answer is, and I hear what you're saying about their their chemistry, my answer is smart out, white in, white, Brogdon, Tatum, Brown, and a big, probably Horford, but whoever it is, that would be my closing lineup. You guys can jump in, 617-779-7937. Do you trust Joe Missoula? to dole out these minutes no. properly. Well, let's let's hear from him because I'm with you on that, Mego. Here's Missoula after the game. When you're trying to deal with the lineups and the line, yes. one lineup is playing so well and you've got to make changes, what kind of goes in your mind when you're pulling white, you're putting back in smarter with struggle, just what kind of goes through that fourth quarter situation? Humility and trust. Um, you know, that's just, that's going to be the nature of our team as we continue to grow is we have to have the humility to understand that guys are going to be playing well. We have to have the trust that when we put our team on the floor, we're going to execute. And so that's just kind of how it is. And um, our guys do a great job, um, you know, of having the humility and having the trust. Humility and trust? I feel like that's not really answering it head on. Is that that's the like new this... love and trust it for sounds Marcus like it. Smart? Yes, I was just going to say it's like a nebulous thing. that just say humility and trust, and it's Marcus Smart sitting on yeah. the bench clapping? No, no, no. When I think of Marcus Smart, I think of, I think of humility. That's what I think when I think of Marcus Smart. Humility, for sure. I, that's absolutely the word. They should so, paint that over the door when they go out for practice. You got to slap it. Humility and trust. <laughs> so you said no, Mego. No, I, I don't. I'm with you on this, and let me just let me just say why. I don't know that I trust any rookie coach with a roster like this. And a veteran coach pushing the right button at the right time with a lot of options, I would trust a veteran coach there. You know, Rick Carlisle, maybe not Doc. I don't like Doc so much on Arkan Sixers. But like a veteran coach, maybe I'd trust them to push the right buttons there more so than Missoula. And even though Udoka was a, a rookie head coach last year, I think he was pretty good at it. Case in point, game one of the NBA Finals, he sat Marcus, Marcus Smart's ass down, and Peyton Pritchard got to play over him. I thought Udoka had a better feel for that. We'll see with Missoula. But it's almost like there's too many options. You know, there's too many things, and I don't trust him to push the right buttons there. I'm with you. I, I, I don't. And I don't think that's a specific thing about him. I just think what might be better for a younger coach, a less experienced head coach, is fewer options so that it's obvious and there aren't a lot of choices to second guess. And... Now there's almost too many options for him, and I wonder if he'll get overwhelmed. The second guessing is definitely a big part of it. You listen to Joe Missoula talk about when he decides that he's even going to call timeouts or not, and he talks about, well, this matchup versus that matchup. I like what they're showing us versus that. Instead right. of kind of just looking at his team and deciding what's working for them in the game as it goes along, it's almost that second guessing where he's trying to be two steps ahead of whatever's happening on the other side of the court, and it's like, Look, just ride the hot hand here, man. Like, you're overthinking this. The other side of it is that... Yeah, it was so obviously right. working. Like, it was working so well on Saturday and, night. And but went instead, away from it's it. like, well, if they show this, but, you know, on the other side, what if they put this line up? And it's like, who cares? You have the better team, and they're playing better right now. But the other side of it is also that Joe Missoula inherited, and it's not his fault, he's in this situation, but he inherited this lineup that was kind of ready to go. The only real injection, only real difference is Malcolm Brogdon coming in, and Malcolm Brockton came in on a contract situation where Brad Stevens sat there and said, you're going to be coming off the bench. Best case scenario for you, Malcolm Brogdon, is most likely going to be sixth man. So Joe Mazzulla didn't even have to sit there with a vet like Malcolm Brogdon and say, hey, I really need you on this team to take this step back. He joined this team knowing that that was going to be the situation. So we just haven't had to see Joe Mazzulla take the step of sitting down with a veteran player, someone who's a leader in the locker room by others' accounts, and say, this is for the good of the team. I need you to step back now. And I just don't know if if – 
if he's up to that. It'll be the biggest challenge I think he faces this regular season is figuring out the rotation as you get into March and April. Derek White this month averaged 20 points, six assists, oh. and shot about 44% from three. Has Marcus Smart ever had a month like no, that? No, ever. no, no, no. He's never been player of the week, and no, I don't think so. So, look, Derek White might just be hot, and maybe by playoff time I'll be like, oh, yeah, he can go back to the bench. And that's fine with me, too. I mean, I don't think anything that happens here needs but, to be set in stone. But if he's hot in the postseason, he should be playing over Smart. I think that's the point. 617-779-7937. Do you trust Joe Mazzulla to do that? Uh, Mike's in the car waiting patiently on our baseball discussion. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, so let, let's play a little scenario here. Okay. If there's three seconds left in a football game. And we'll say Brady throws it to one of the wide receivers. Sure. And the ball's in the air and the clock runs out. The guy catches it in the end zone. Is it a touchdown? Yes. Okay. Now there's three seconds left in a basketball game. What's your point, and Mike? Vegas I'm going to need you to make in. your point quickly, Mike. What's your point? Okay. So what I'm getting at is baseball. You have a runner on second and third with two outs. Have the runner at third score before the out is taken. Count the count the run. Okay, so this is a this is an idea to improve Major League Baseball. We're going to put that to the side. That's not really the discussion we were going for. I didn't realize that's where he was going. Thank you for listening. If you score before the out, the run should count. So is if what it's he's like saying. a grounder to short. Yes, 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 yes. And the guy on third. If you beat it home. It should it should count. I'll tell you what, I like it. <laughs> I, I think that's a great idea. That's like a Savannah Banana baseball rule, which I'm usually open to. I didn't realize that's where he was going. How about David in the car? Uh, Go ahead, David. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thank you for taking the call. Hey, yes. David. So I'm Marcus Smart and Derek and uh, Derek White. So I, I think we keep comparing the two guys, and we're looking at two, we're talking about two different players, you know. And and Marcus Smart is a defensive guy. Okay, maybe some of his offensive skills, some of the things he does is not what we would like to see. But I, I don't think we should overlook the fact that the reason this guy is still on the Celtics and he'll remain on the Celtics is because of his type of defense. So when you're a defensive player. Yeah, I just don't think, I don't think Derek White is bad defensively. He's so not. Like, he's, smarts, he's, he's, smart's he's the, better. He's one of the best shot blockers as a guard. Yeah, Smart's better he's, defensively. Yeah, start, start, he's smart like number is, one or number two, I think. Yeah, yeah. Smart is better at steals like right. the scrapping who's right. who's a net who's a bigger net positive like this used to be the thing with marcus it's like well yeah his offense stinks but his defense is so good he's a better net positive player i don't think he is than Derek white at least not the way white's been playing lately so look we're a long ways away from the postseason but my real question is if it continues like this will missoula go away from his closing lineup that he's stuck with because and forsberg's detailed this on nbc, NBC sports boston the numbers have not been good for that lineup 617-779-7937. We've talked about Major League Baseball and the pitch clock. Are you a fan of it? What can baseball do to fix the pitch clock? We're not rewriting all of their <laughs> rules. They've done enough of that. What can they do with the pitch clock? Uh, and on top of it, do you trust Missoula with these minutes late in games on top of the Tatum clutch discussion? Let's get to the Bruins, though. Their goalies scored a meaningless goal, but a goal that a lot of people are talking about. Let's get to it next. Connor Carlin off Besser's stick. Olmark is going to try it, and he scores! Linus Olmark, the odds-on Vezinet Trophy winner, scores an empty net goal to seal this win. You're seeing history! Line. What a lunatic. That was deranged. 
It was Joe Mazzula-esque is what it was from Jack Edwards on Nesson. Arthur Fleck a little in there, too. <laughs> he just, like, he wasn't ready for it. Like, he was, he was like, kicking himself that he wasn't ready for it when it happened. And, Brick, you're allowed to talk. Like, you're allowed to say something, you know. So that was the game on Saturday night. He scores! Ah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know... <laughs> It's just a meaningless goal, but people are people are really having a fun time with it. Uh, the Bruins would have won either way, whether Allmark flicked it in or not. The Bruins would have won that game either way. So, again, a legitimate meaningless goal, but a fun one. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. It wasn't meaningless to him. It was not meaningless <laughs> to him. No, <laughs> he deeply meaningful. To he him. definitely cares about it a little too much. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on it. 617-779-7937. Well, am I an a-hole for calling it a meaningless goal? Like, like, did it matter more than I'm giving it credit for? Did you like it? Did I like it? Yes, you. Well, I was watching the Celtics, to be clear, when this happened. And then I got chirped at because I said something about the Celtics. And people were like, oh, my God, you didn't I, see Elena's the Allmark's goal. I stuck with the end of the Bruins and then flipped over to the Celtics. But you, uh, but once you saw it, did you like it? Yeah. I mean, it was a nice little flick. I mean, it was fluky, right? Can, can we say it was completely fluky? Like, it's, it's not like you're going to... I, it's not like you're going to watch that and be like, wow, historical great moment. I'm pretty sure goalies. 100% of goals scored by goalies are fluky by definition. But that's, what, that's what I'm saying. By definition, it's kind of like, a, do, do people really care about this is my question. Oh. I don't care about it. Oh. I watch it and I go, people oh, care. that's cool. That's people funny. Care. Can I hear Allmark on the, the goalie history? Can I hear him actually real quick? Uh, like, I just, people care. He cares. This sounds like Tatum talking about the MVP to me. That's what this sounds like. That's pretty cool. That's you. pretty uh, the guys that has half scored a goal in, in this league is terrific goaltenders that went down into the Hall of Fame as well. And, you know, it's, I can't really, it's hard to describe what I'm feeling right now. It's, it's, I have to kind of digest it all. Um, I'm just so bloody happy. <laughs> so bloody happy. I mean, happy. it's like, it literally sounds like Tatum talking about the MVP. It's like, chill out, dude. Could Ron you... Hextall, Martin Brodeur, Linus Olmark. I so, mean, these are the greats of our So lifetime. I'm pulling it up. Like, Hextall had a couple, and they were both real goals. Chris Osgood had one. Marty Brodeur had Brodeur one. Had three, I think. Well, one was an own goal. So one, you know, deflected in, uh, uh, like a defender pumped it into his own net. Uh, Jose Theodore had one. Theodore had one. Uh, Nabokov had one. Who else? Mike Smith, the legendary Mike Smith, of course. Pekka Rene Pekka had, Rene had one. one a couple of years ago. So those are those are the goalie goals in NHL history. I believe Allmark had the ninth true goalie goal. Uh, does it matter, Arkan? Did you like it? I didn't really. In real time, I was watching going, what are you doing? Like, he came way out of the – it was a one-goal game. He came way out of the net, and there were, like, four guys charging at him because Vancouver had an empty net. So I remember in real time thinking, whoa, dude, like – chill out like what are you doing and then he perfectly flicked, flicked it. it over all of them like that was that was a pretty impressive play I don't know if it was the smartest play I've ever seen in my life but it worked and uh it was exciting so I liked it I mean I thought it was a very cool way to sort of end that game and put it out of reach and I think it was also just Linus Allmark who's having this amazing season just kind of doing whatever he wants and it's working like he's having a very charmed season yeah so I sort of like that too Cinderella you know? Arcan is the proper phrasing for that he was flexing on the broke hose yes he flexed <laughs> on the broke bitches. You're seeing history. I just, you know, I'd be and careful. He drove Jack Edwards to uh, lunacy. I'd be careful with that <laughs> if I were Omar. <laughs> like, don't tempt fate too much. I think Arkan's onto something he there. Broke don't, Jack Edwards. Don't tempt fate too much, Omar. You're still Linus Allmark. You're still the Sabres goaltender. That's still who you are. So don't get too loose with things. Uh, but you tell me. I know people like the goal. 617-779-7937. Am I being too harsh? 
the biggest story of the game was not Allmark and how in love he was with the empty netter and how much he's been wanting to do it. Like it's it's like putting it through the the clown's mouth in mini golf <laughs> is what it was. Like that's the equivalent of it. Like wow, it's a cool mini golf shot. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter. It was meaningless. It has no bearing on anything going the forward. Selling line. But he was in love with it. Like again, you know, putting it through the obstacles at mini golf. The biggest takeaway I had, I was listening to some of the post game, like rolling my eyes at Allmark, rolling my eyes at Montgomery. Then I got to Dmitry Orlov, your big new addition. Let's hear both these clips because he played the other night on the right side, his offside on the third pairing with Derek Forbert. I, I think I saw the morning skate today. He's on the top pair with McAvoy on the left side, his natural side. He was asked about playing the right side, and I said, oh, this is interesting. It doesn't sound like he loved it. I did play actually a lot when I grown up, you know, and then in NHL probably, I would say not a lot, but like overall maybe like 50, 60 games, you know, so uh, it's, it's fine with me, you know, better to play than that, you know, so it's going to be fun. It's fine with it's me. It's fine. Better to play than not. Like, I heard that and I was like, Yikes. Can it's like I, the equivalent of like better than the alternative. Every day above ground is a like, good day. Bud, you're playing for a cup. Like you're on the best team in the NHL. Like you I should be did a, play. a little more excited. Can I hear uh can I hear whether or not uh, or how he felt about being traded here in his free agent year? I think right now it's not what I think about. <laughs> you know, obviously and uh you know it's uh this is going to be summer and I don't know what's going to happen, you know, right now I'm in uh, Bruins and it's my team and I will try to do, leave everything for this team. Look, I'll allow for a couple of things. One, it's a second language. Right. Maybe I'm missing something here in the translation. Maybe. But I listen to that full three minute chunk and I'm like, this guy doesn't sound thrilled to be here. Now, Mego, you made the point off the air. He's already won a cup. So maybe he's not emphasizing the opportunity as much. Like I've won a cup before. Maybe he's it's fine with me. <laughs> maybe he's prioritizing his free agency. Like I'm going into a free agent year. I want to play big minutes. I want to play on the power play. I, I don't want to play on my offside. I want to maximize my earning potential. Maybe that's the mindset. Who knows? All I know is that was my big takeaway from the game. Your big shiny new trade piece doesn't sound thrilled about being a Boston Bruin and having a chance at a cup. He sounds like somebody who's making the best of a situation that he didn't expect to be in. I did play. Like truthfully, instead of being like, wow. How amazing. I got traded to the to a historically great Bruins team. Eh, I guess we'll figure this out. Summer's coming soon. I don't know where I'm going to be next. It's we talked We talked about this off the air that I mean, he hasn't had a charmed NHL career as I talked to you about during the uh the 2012 uh lockout season. He was sent out to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which you've ever been out there even with Hershey Park. It's like Heaven. one of the most depressing places in America and you sent out there during the lockout and got seriously injured twice and that affected him coming back to the Capitals and then he went and played for Team Russia in some international uh, tournament and got injured in that and sat out another year with the Capitals and then finally came back and got an, ex an extension with the Capitals in 2017 won the cup probably thought he was going to finish his career out with the Caps and now suddenly is just yep. traded up to Boston he's probably living in some incredibly depressing apartment that he didn't pick out for himself and here's, i don't know what his family situation is but he's probably just like can i go back to russia here's my takeaway he he for for all the people getting excited about the stupid meaningless empty net goal by the goalie that didn't matter you were going to win the game either way for everybody getting excited about that 
your big shiny new trade piece may not want to be here. It's fine with me. Doesn't sound all that excited about being here. But let's all focus on the empty net goal. And he's Ron Hextall and he's Chris Osgood. (laughs) Oh, let's go crazy, Jack. He's Mike Smith. Like, what a crazy long line of great goaltenders. Orloff doesn't want to be here. Lisa doesn't sound like it. Can we focus on that? I feel like that's the bigger takeaway. 617-779-7937. 617-779-7937. We'll add your Bruins thoughts to all your Celtics and Red Sox phone calls. Plus, we got to get to Devin McCourty weighing in on Mac Jones this morning on Good Morning Football. We'll do that next. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster Download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.